This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. Salutations, Kim McAllister. Hi, John Daly. Hi, everybody. How's it going on this Friday? Hey, hey, hey. Did you finish your bottle of uh, Why Are You Yelling? I'm still working on it. Yeah, yeah. No. (laughs) No. I might want to move my mic in front of my face. How's it going? I'm I'm well. I'm well, you? I'm, uh, it's good. It's good. I, I, uh... I think the Mark Thompson show is still going, so I'm hoping that he's able to does play the Mark the Thompson pro- show ever really end? No, it never does. I I hope he can click the closing credits by himself. I have to go back and watch and see how that all worked out. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay, but we're here on the After Party Live on this Friday, and we've got a lot of great stories coming up for you. Thank you for clicking the like button if you can, the subscribe button if you haven't yet. And if you need to get in touch with us at all, I'm Kim at theafterparty.live. That is John at theafterparty.live. The you can send J-O-H-N. emails to complaints at theafterparty.live. It goes somewhere. You know what, I, what I've been looking at in San Francisco is how quickly and efficiently they were able to clear this whole area for the uh, Asian Pacific Economic Cooperation Conference Right. They got everything ready. All these foreign dignitaries are coming. The president is coming to San Francisco. The president of China is coming to San Francisco. All the you know, all the dignitaries are arriving. And so now we have to clean up the streets. Yeah, you can't clean up for the locals that pay the taxes. It's like when you have guests at your house. You gotta do the cleaning before your you know, people arrive, right? Shove you want to present in the a nice shove yeah, shove and that's what we're doing. We're shoving yeah. the homeless people in the closet. We have shuffled the tent cities away we're brushing the streets we're cleaning everything up here's a guy moving his tent sir you got to move your tent okay yeah so we're moving all the people we they've san francisco city officials clearing out some of the city's hot spots for homeless tent camps because of this apec asia pacific economic cooperation summit uh, so the Public Works Department listed seven intersections in the Tenderloin and south of Market to target. Uh, that was in an email to other city officials that the San Francisco Chronicle got a hold of. The email says, with APEC coming, I'm concerned about historical encampments that are close to priority areas. Mm. All seven intersections are in the two neighborhoods that have been at the epicenter of the public drug markets and the homeless crisis and everything else uh some say an encampment at van s popped up in the last two weeks are any of these locations on schedule Uh, do we need to stay on top of these growing encampments yes you should have been staying on top of these encampments as they happened i'm convinced that if you see the first tent pop up that's when you move in and say nope can't do that here and if we want to have a tent city then find a place where it's okay but you can't do it on the sidewalks and you can't do it in random parking lots. You, you just can't do it all over San Francisco. Not cool. So, yeah, But this just goes to show that when there's political will to get something done, it actually happens. That's right. The clear sidewalks, a reflection of the city's push to be more aggressive about clearing encampments because the leaders of 21 countries and regions are starting to come to San Francisco. So there right. you they go. Want to save, they want to save face, mm-hmm. which um, I'm sure they can appreciate. If they can um, do it the story for the about party, the then they too. can do it all the time. Come oh, on now. Apparently not. Mm. You have a story about the waterfront? Yeah. The um, This I thought was really, really interesting. It is going to be said to be the biggest infrastructure project in San Francisco's history. And what it 
starts as is this report. It's uh, a report that's going to be released in January. Oh my gosh, $50. Karen, thanks, Kim and wow, John. Karen. And I found the replays. Yay, Karen, thank you so much for that. Wow, that's, what a generous uh, contribution. Cool. You that's made my really, Friday. Really nice. You made my Friday. You made my whole weekend, Karen Kleiner. So thank nice you, of you. And I like your black kitty cat too. Um, so yes, this is a report that is scheduled to be released to the public for review in January. And it's all about what to do environmentally to protect San Francisco's waterfront with sea rise, shore, a sea level rise coming, right? They think that what's in this report would be an Army Corps release of a draft plan on how to protect seven and a half miles of urban waterfront from the impact of climate change. And what they're proposing is a $13 billion I was going to say double digit billions. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It would be a partnership. Might need Karen's though. help with that. <laughs> yeah, Karen might need to step in. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the initial Can you price tag super stickers for the city is supposed. Yeah, we we're going to need it. Supposedly in the range of thirteen billion. Two thirds of that would be paid for by the federal government. Nah, okay, but it's drastic. I mean, we're talking like you know all kinds of changes to our waterfront, like raising things and a giant seawall i mean think about how old it is yeah you know from like the late 1800s is that how old it is yeah the beginnings of it yeah i mean yeah. have we not done anything since then well yeah i'm sure but a, a lot of it is very very old i think it's talking... mentioned in the story they're talking about and well then our view is gone because we're, we're they're talking about a seawall that's 20 feet high oh wow because of the sea level rise and the storm surges, and that's how right, we protect our need. city. So a seawall that's as, as high as 20 feet, and there's going to be a lot of controversy around this. So yeah, January, the report comes out to the public. Something nicer along the waterfront, though, and I got this story from Ruth Carlson, author Ruth Carlson, who has written a couple of books on the odd, crazy things in San Francisco. She just sent me... Two Odd books. crazy things in San Francisco. That must be mm, like an who encyclopedia. Knew? And also she sent me um, a, one of the odd crazy things in California as well. Ruth Carlson, check her out. Uh, and if you are looking for good holiday gifts, those books are amazing. She sent a picture of the Ferris wheel that was in Golden Gate Park and it moved now to the waterfront. It is now at Pier 43 at Fisherman's Wharf where it will stay for at least six months. What a view from that. I Ferris knew they could wheel. find a space to cram it in. Wow. Yeah. It didn't just like what get you... up with its legs and kind of just like waddle across the city. Right. They didn't they roll it there. It. Like they didn't roll you know, it. Yeah. No. Or they didn't float it, roll it right? across they, the city. Yeah. They actually no. took it apart. They took it apart, put it back together. They're still doing some finishing touches and some work on it, but that's gotta be when you're that at the really top changes of that Ferris the, wheel. Uh, the skyline or, I mean, it, it is really the does. That's cool, though. And I think, doesn't it light up at night? Yeah, I think so. Although, if you lived, like, yeah. right on the other side of that, you're probably not happy. <laughs> like, if you're right mm. in front of it, you know, and your Ew. view of the bay is now blocked. Kind of looks like things are happening down there in that area. I kind of like it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah, it makes me want to go down there and, and hop well, it's aboard. Like anything, can't when do it, it yet. First, when it's first proposed, yeah. it shows up. Like, the Golden Gate Bridge was controversial. The Trans-American yeah. Building was controversial. Now you can't imagine the city without it. So yeah. it'll probably uh, end up like that. 
Yeah. Well, they say it'll stay for six months, maybe longer. We'll see. They say that all the time. Like, like the JFK was supposed to be closed temporarily, the road in uh, yeah. Golden Gate Park. It's not temporary. It's uh, No. no. Jim Slayton with a $10 super sticker. What? Happy Friday to you, Jim Slayton. And thank you, Jim. And thank you, Karen. Awesome. The super sticker is obviously open. And the, our long-term supporters of the show uh, with the PayPal contributions monthly are so appreciated. And Mark You'll asked if we are the... crowdfunded. And we are. So thank yeah. you, everybody. Yeah. We don't have quite yeah. the audience size, but um, that means that yeah. every single dollar we get from you is... Well, um, this is only our fourth month on the air. We're still working yeah. and building and everything's happening. Fun right? note, though, our, so, um, you know, we, we're doing shorts now. The short little, you know, 60 second or less videos posted to the yeah. YouTube channel. And the one from yesterday, normally we get like 100, 200, we've been getting like 300, 500 views at the most. Yeah. Yesterday, the, I did the clip of the of the um, lions chasing the giraffe. Yeah. Right? And it just started picking up. Within the first 90 minutes, we had like 1,000 a, a views. And it was 15, 1,600, 1,700. Now we're up to 5,000 views. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Apparently repurposing other people's content. <laughs> <laughs> if it involves good, good an go. animal chase... It's going to get you views. Yeah. And because of that, it, it tells me that we have 17 new subscribers thanks to that. So that's Something kind of else from yesterday. Welcome, new subscribers. Something else from yeah. yesterday and our trivia. We had there. We broke the rule of questioning the trivial answers. Yeah. But the problem is now we're we relying have, on trivia websites. Right. Now we right? have some follow-up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kay and Santa Rosa did some research. And, you know, we were talking about the uh, tropical forests. and uh, Rainforest. My, mm -hmm. my, yeah, rainforest. And my question asked which which state has the only tropical rainforest in the United States, and the answer was uh, Puerto Rico. But Kim pointed out that there's tropical forest, uh, tropical rainforest in Hawaii, and some other people did too. Mm -hmm. And Kay did some follow up and uh, found out that it's the one in Puerto Rico is the only national forest, so it's right. like it's 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 run by the government. But so that question wasn't specific enough. And then uh, I looked into the 32 country. It was 32 countries in the southern hemisphere that you said. Right. You had questions. Yeah, that's me. actually correct. And um, I don't have the map. Thank I was going to get a map. Oh yeah, you were right. Would you like to apologize to the, Kim, the you were right, live community? I was. I was wrong. That's probably the only time I'll ever hear that. I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong, <laughs> especially when it doesn't happen very often. I'm well, totally I'm just okay exactly. I'm just. <laughs> you're always the one that's right. So that's Which why is I won't hear it. Fascinating if you think about it, because there's over 200 countries, right? But if you yeah. look at a map, just Google like you know countries in the southern hemisphere, and you see the map, the almost all the land mass and all the countries, even like Southeast Asia is completely in the Northern Hemisphere, which I didn't realize. Mm -hmm. And then there are a lot of countries that straddle both. They're in the Southern and Northern. And I'm not sure if they were counting those. But mm -hmm. if you look at it, there aren't that many countries south of um, in the yeah. Southern Hemisphere, which is fascinating. Well, 32, I think there's what, 200 and something like 210 countries or 200 and something. Was like that because of weather and in, in inhospitability inhabitability no i think it's just land mass and the way it's divided mm. up there's just not as much um, there's not as much land and territory and, and a lot of the countries in the north are smaller right especially in europe and yeah. places like that um but yeah I, f I found that interesting so i was wrong about that too <laughs> and i'm sorry for questioning you animals my bad, my bad. i love when animals uh, get a little snack at halloween this is fantastic when animals attack no, they get a snack. Oh, okay. A Halloween oh. snack. Okay, I got you. Yeah. A moose eats <laughs> Halloween pumpkin off of Alaska Alaska woman's porch. This is pretty cool. You um, got to think when you live in Alaska that this is definitely a possibility, right? Well, and this is why the ring camera was invented, right? Yes. Uh, Natalie Levy's ring doorbell camera recorded the early morning visit by a hungry bull moose that stood at the foot of her uh, porch for several minutes while snacking on a pumpkin. Uh, you want to check it out? 
Yes, I do. Here we go. Oh, there he goes. And it looks like there might have been... Uh, maybe it's one big pumpkin that oh, he took a Oh my gosh, out of. look at him. He's look at beautiful. The yeah. He's like, I'll eat this one too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it looks like there were two pumpkins and uh, he devoured the first one. I kind of edited and cut this down. For time. Wow. As much <laughs> as we would have enjoyed two minutes of this. Uh, wow. That pumpkin doesn't look like it's in good shape. <laughs> it's not, not very solid. And, Apparently, uh, he likes the pumpkin. Yeah. So he's going right for the pumpkin. And uh, that's a majestic. Beast. That really is. That's cool. I love yeah, that. Cool. Okay. What about cute little elephants? Yes. Oh. This is a pink baby elephant. Fresh, right? You know, fresh and pink. And he uh, he went into a swim, uh, went for a swim in South Africa. But the mom didn't apparently want him to go because the river is raging. So she helps yeah. him cross. I so think it was like a Kim McAllister mama elephant. Well. Yeah, yeah we so video. cute. You want to take take a look? Yeah, let's look at Here that. This is cute. Look at that kinda little looks baby like elephant. A, almost an albino, but it's uh, yeah. it's pink and kind of grayish. A little guy. So enjoying cute. The water. Yeah. I find it interesting that they're okay with him being in the water. Like he just takes to it. They like have to learn. What, yeah, he knows what what's he knows what to do. Stays right by the mom's side, though. Yeah, yeah this is the Sand River. And uh, the grunts of hippos can be heard here. They People that were here filming this, they sat, they watched for animals, and then they came upon this from a distance, a small breeding herd with a few young babies and then one crossing the river. A little pink elephant was clinging to its mother as it approached the water, looked scared, but the mother reassured it with a few nudges. Uh, they say the reason for the calf's pink skin is a condition called leucism, L-E-U-C-I-S-M, leucism. Uh, and so I guess it's normal for that little guy very, to be pink. Very cool. Yeah. Jim, we appreciate that super sticker. Oh, did I put it back up? Yeah. I'm click happy today. I, guess. I may have had a lot of caffeine. I went back and watched the show from yesterday, and I'm like, oh, I'm sleepy again. I need some more caffeine. Well, yesterday, I said we were going to do this story. I even put it as the picture for the show. Yeah. And then we got busy, and we didn't we, do it. So I'm we both, very we happy. Both, we both should have had some coffee. Um, yeah. This was, a, this was like our lead story from yesterday, and it's funny yeah. that we didn't do it. Um, and it's uh, pretty crazy. It is about a tiny <laughs> alien skeleton allegedly found in the desert um, in a cave. And I want you to take this whole story with a grain of salt. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a big grain of salt. This is in the Daily Star, which is like a tabloid. And so um, we wouldn't have presented this if it was the Mark Thompson show or the Nikki Maduro show. But, you know, it's the after party. So that's right. We're going to have some fun. Um, yeah. The tiny alien skeleton, they believe, lived in a cave. It's dubbed Ata, A-T-A, found in an abandoned desert church with, <laughs> with researchers <laughs> now believing the remains could have been a small humanoid from the Middle Ages. Discovered what? in the desert 20 years ago, um, the skeletal remains were found in this abandoned church in Ata Atacama Desert, in the Atacama Desert in Chile mm -hmm. uh, in 2003. He, uh, this guy, Oscar Munez, sold it to the Spanish businessman um, and researcher Ramon Navia Osorio Villar. Um, Mr. Navia Osorio thinks the skeleton belongs to a tiny race of people who lived along the Amara people in South America many years ago, but others yeah. aren't so sure. 
uh, in 2018, DNA analysis suggested the skeleton was a female fetus with unusual mutations like dwarfism or scoliosis. That seems more likely, right? I mean, I, I, I want aliens to be a thing, but um, that seems more Maybe likely, it's right? not even a real skeleton. Like this whole story that's, has question marks all over it. That's true. And uh, before we get into further detail, it's kind of funny because at the bottom of the story, I think I shared this note with you. It says here at the bottom of the story, this article is crafted with the help of an AI tool, which speeds oh, up yeah. daily. So I like this daily star. So a tabloids editorial research. <laughs> An editor reviewed this content so before it was a it, before it was published. Kim, it was reviewed, and if you uh -huh. and if you want to report any errors, you can send them to Star Letters at Daily Star. So see, this my this is where flags go up. It's it's a Daily Star, so it's a tabloid, right. and it's AI. They help AI helped write it. Did mm -hmm. the research? Do your own yeah. research, Kim. <laughs> right. Well, uh, they there was another test, I guess, of this little skeleton body. Yeah, and uh, uh, I don't know if you want to share that. I'm not yeah, sure they I'm say uh, that a recent study by bioarchaeology professor Cyan Hallcrow oh, disputed, yeah, he's, he's, he's one of the good ones, right? Disputed that this was a tiny race of people, but they said, uh, or, or, or that it was a fetus, they said, we find no evidence of for any of the skeletal anomalies claimed by the authors. Well, so take a look at the ribs. Doesn't that look like the Sydney Opera House? Like that doesn't look like it doesn't look yeah. like human ribs. No, right? it looks like somebody but, carved that out of sand. I guess they say since this discovery, there's been wild speculation about the origins of this skeleton. Some people think it could be extraterrestrial. If you look at the skeleton, like the 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 yeah. skull, it does look that way. And um, it was um, featured in a documentary as potential evidence of alien life. But I've yeah. noticed a lot of these like freakish looking uh alien bodies come out of central america and mexico yeah it seems like culturally it seems like a, a the thing that's really popular down there the hands were i guess really elongated as well this is their so new hoax people are thinking that it's this um it's this alien i have to show you though how tiny this thing is yeah it, it has no kneecaps no the clavicle is like triangular it's weird it is weird but if you look at how small it is it's almost like it's it's from fairy people. Like it's so teeny, teeny, tiny. Here it is in relation to a human hand, right? That's little. Oh man. Yeah, I think. It's yeah, that fake. other picture is kind of deceptive. I think the whole thing's fake. Faker, baker, of course. Faker, but it looks like yeah. it looks like a little toy yeah. that yeah. was made like a model for a uh, alien yeah. um, movie or exactly. documentary. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna say we're gonna say no. What are you gonna what say are you no. in the chat? No. I know this is Absolutely. a credible source, the Daily Star, which is yeah. a tabloid in the UK, but. Uh, I think it's it's I think it's fun. Uh, this is a really important story. You know, if we didn't do this story, hey, that last story was important too, Kim. <laughs> no, I'm facetiously telling you this story. If you didn't know about this, what I'm about to tell you, then right. I don't know how you would could exist in the world. Honestly, okay. apparently, skinny jeans are now over. <gasps> According to Gen Z, oh Gen the Z, friend is called out on TikTok. Videos are condemning these body hugging pants. Well, if it's on TikTok, they're supposed I mean, to be the removed from closets immediately. The skinny jean phenomenon is done. One oh, person no. saying it's time to throw the pants away, light them on fire, cut them into something new. Yeah, they're not going back to like baggy, like triangular sheets of cloth hanging on your yeah leg, you know they? what they're wearing now what the kids are wearing 
they, they call them mom jeans or dad jeans and they're high-waisted and they're usually like they're fitted through the waist and hips and then they are very loose like carpenter pants. So Obama was just ahead of his time. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, right. I, obviously, I'm getting old enough to like see how everything is just cycling. You know, it's just one yeah. generation skips, you know, skips it and then it comes back with yeah. the next generation. Like, oh, look what we found. Yeah. Doug is look giving us found. $10 for new jeans. Thank you, Doug, for the super sticker. <laughs> so, so nice of you on this Friday. Woohoo. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's time to check out of your skinny jeans. That's all I have to say. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> now, here's our headlining story from today. So we need to do it. Scientists oh, have created a Frankenstein chimera monkey that glows green. Look at this poor guy. I, I'm not really comfortable with him messing with especially these animals that are so closely related to us. Here's a and picture of what I don't it... understand how this is going to help humanity. I just don't get it. Yeah, look at this. A, a chimeric monkey was glowing green with glowing green eyes and hands. The birth of this monkey uh, may sound like something out of a horror movie, but it represents a major scientific breakthrough. Researchers in China, oh great, I'm sure they treated all these animals China. with respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, sharing images of a long-tailed macaque um, whose cells are made from an embryo injected with other genetically distinct cells. Um, so in Greek mythology, a chimera is a female fire-breathing monster resembling a lion at the front, a goat in the middle, and a dragon at the back. Stem cells modified to, uh, to glow green were injected in a number of these uh, embryos, those that are four to five days old, to help identify whether or not the additional cells had multiplied. The contribution of stem cells in different tissue types ranges from 21% to 92%. Uh, researchers have long attempted the process in primates, having previously created chimeras in rats and mice. Um, in 2012, scientists created the three rhesus monkeys that were technically chimeras, but the embryos were created at the earlier stage when the uh, cells can evolve into anything, including the placenta. The study published in the journal Cell, which I know you uh, are subscribed to, oh, yeah. used later stage plura pluripotent cells, meaning that they have the ability to differentiate into all types of cells needed to create a live animal. Uh, I know that they have to do scientific research, but this just seems wrong. Yeah, it does. Right? It seems really wrong. It seems also pointless because I don't I don't know. The reason I guess they use the neon green and they put those into the cells is so they could see and and monitor What's the changing? multiplication of those cells. Right, right. Yeah. So they wanted to make sure it was working. Okay, that's a way to measure your success, I guess. It just seems so pointless to do this yeah. to a creature. Mm. The embryos were implanted into female macaws and um, resulting in 12 pregnancies and six live births. Analysis confirmed that one monkey was born alive and one fetus that was miscarried was substantially chimeric, containing cells that grew out of the stem cells throughout their bodies. Both were male. Yeah. Mm. Oh. So sad. Well, kind of it's sad. interesting and weird, and I think that... What they are allowed to do in China with this type of research is a lot different than what they are allowed to do in the United States and other parts of the world. Yeah, so, a little disturbing. Yeah. Um, okay, I wanted to show you one of the comments. I thought this was really funny. John says regarding the last story, if uh, he said, if fat genes become a thing, then I'll be a trendsetter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot easier yeah. to keep up on that trend. I never really got into the skinny jeans thing. And then it's um, like trying to get them off. You're not yeah. going to get them off quickly. You got to lay down, yeah. peel them but off. But if you weren't wearing yeah. them, then everyone gave you, you know, yeah. grief. Uh, uh, another story about things that are green. Apparently, 
there was this green liquidy ooze coming through the sewer system. You this would is Ghostbusters, think, right? Do, 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 ch, ch, ch. Yes, you would think it was, but no. But it was concerning to a lot of people who are walking through the streets of New York going, um, why does that look toxic and like we're going to die any minute? Yeah, it looks like radiator coolant. It does look like that, but it isn't. Apparently, it was seen leaking onto the streets of New York City, oozing out of sewer grates and a manhole cover right near the World Trade Center in Lower Manhattan. But the city officials say, no cause for alarm, nothing to see here. Environmental authorities sometimes dye the water green to help detect leaks in the system. That's the big excuse. Is this like potable water like in the pipes for people to drink no Can't not be. anymore not it's, now that they're it's saying dyed this, green it's the, well they're saying manhole cover so i'm guessing this is the they're pumping it into the sewer system i imagine i don't know i hope if it's in what what state of the process this water is uh right you know, you're not going to drink drinkable that. or not yeah um they, it's interesting. The, the They call it viral green slime, even though it's water. Uh may have been in, attributed to a promotion for the 20th anniversary of Wicked, but no. It was only an right. overflow from a routine procedure. It wasn't anything sinister. But uh, you were saying earlier off the air, why did they have to use the color green? And I yeah. was thinking maybe blue would have been a better color or, you know... Something Not yellow. That'll look like it's pee-filled streets. Red's going to look like right. blood. They'll be like, Green's why does it look, look like San toxic. Francisco around here? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, or uh, so, yeah. John's saying, or it's a St. Patrick's Day thing. Coming out of the sewer? Donald's saying it looks like something out of a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, it does. Nope. They just dyed it green to see if it was leaking. So. Oh, that's yeah. pretty crazy. You know what else is yeah. crazy? Google, one of the companies that never gets out of the news, they try mm -hmm. to, but Google spent, you know, we were talking about how much they they spend to to get Apple to put, you know, a Google as your default search browser on your iPhone. Right. Well, they also spent, geez, can you imagine having this much money? $26 billion to hide a feature on your phone. Crazy. That's right. There's a setting on your phone and web browser that Google is desperate to keep you from discovering. How desperate? In 2021, Google paid Apple, Samsung, and others $26.3 billion to keep it buried. That's more money each year than McDonald's makes selling hamburgers. This setting affects who gets to track your location and watch what you look up online. It affects the usefulness of the information you see and how much of your screen is taken up by ads. So they're talking about the search engine, what pops up, uh, the answers when you type into a search bar. Google pays the makers of phones, laptops, and browsers uh, to be your default, right? We, were, we just talked about that, to stop them mm -hmm. from even presenting you with other options. But most people haven't thought much about the search function on their device, much less how Google got there. But this default funny business might make you take a second look, not only at Google, but also your trust in Apple, Samsung, and other com companies that are selling you out. Uh, the reason we're able to pay pull back the curtain on the uh, big business of default settings is because of an antitrust trial against Google underway in Washington right now, one of the largest in decades. The U.S. has accused Google of illegally using payments to phone makers and others to deter people from trying alternatives like the privacy-focused DuckDuckGo or Microsoft made Bing, and they expect a verdict early next year. So more and more is coming out about What I want to know is, okay, if you don't want me to have this setting because it affects your well, they bottom hide line... It. They make it harder to find. <clears throat> yeah. They, yeah, they don't want me to have it. They want me to not be able to use it because they want to be able to track me and direct ads toward me and all right. of us. 
So if they don't want me to have it, it means I want it. How do I get it? How do I switch it off so they can't track me and they can't target me? Yeah, you got to search for it. We could Google. We could Google that later. (laughs) (laughs) Google it. We could duck that go it or we could bing it. That's uh, I'm not binging it, but I might duck duck go it. Absolutely. You have to be a good consumer. It's it's for the economy. Think of the the greater good of capitalism. Speaking of the economy, there's a story about who tips and why and how. Mm -hmm. Tipping habits, they say, vary across service settings. A lot of people say, we are being asked to tip now more than we ever have before. We're tipping at the coffee shop. We're tipping at the restaurant. We're tipping here at the, you know, wherever we are, there's someone saying, please do give us a tip. We're saying it on this show, right? There's it's your people are always being asked for money right now. More than 70% of a survey in August said it feels like more businesses expect their workers to be tipped than five years ago. Only about a third of respondents said it was very easy to know whether or not you're supposed to leave a gratuity in a certain situation. And also about 37% said it's very easy to know Uh, whether you should tip and or how big the tip should be. The respondents also said they were far more likely to tip certain service workers than others. So more than 90% said they always or often leave a tip for a restaurant server. 76% said the same for an app-based delivery worker. It's interesting how it goes down there. 61% said yes for a always or almost always for a rideshare driver. 61%? That means there's a lot of people that don't tip the rideshare driver. 25% said yes for a coffee shop barista. Only 25% leave a couple bucks in the jar for a barista? Mm. Okay. Well, and here's how it looks on this little graph here. So you can see 92% say, yep, I'm tipping my restaurant worker. 78% say, yes, I'm always or often tipping my haircut person, my, you know, my beautician or barber. Uh, 76% always or often tip the delivery driver. 70% always or often tip uh, their bartender at a bar. 61% always or often with a ride share or a taxi. 25% 25% always are often at a coffee or a beverage shop, and 12% always are often at a restaurant where there are no servers. So mm. just thought that was interesting when it looks you look at the, how we tip and why we're tipping and what people are thinking about who deserves a tip or who doesn't. When well, somebody used to work at Pete's Coffee, it's like there's a difference between like crafting you a latte and just you know pulling a small coffee out of the urn and then handing it to you, right? Um, I, I think it depends on the the work being done directly for you, the service yes. provided. I um was once I felt bad because I had something happened to a car at one time. I was on my way home from San Francisco, and a tow truck driver I had called. I think I had AAA. They called to come help me, and I didn't realize that you were supposed to tip the driver, and then he asked for a tip. AAA, and I thought. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a tow, it, they were connected to AAA, but this was a tow truck driver yeah, in a, they're being for a paid, different company. They're being paid by AAA. Well, that's kind of what I thought, but I guess a lot of people tipped the tow truck driver. I had not realized. So it's one of those moments where then you feel bad because you don't realize. And then I thought, really, am I supposed to be tipping the driver or was he just pulling my leg? I don't know what's going on. So apparently it is a thing. I just did a quick uh, Google and they tracked me, but um, I didn't know that was a thing. Tipping a tow know, truck it, driver? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, I I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios where maybe you're supposed to tip, but you don't realize you're supposed to tip. Hmm. 
I don't know. It's it, the whole system. I mean, we've gone into this over and over again. The whole system needs an overhaul. I wish I wish we could get away from tipping, but unfortunately, yeah. we're we're we didn't create the system, Kim. We're just no. we're just in the middle of the system. Um, and some people have money, and some people don't have money. So the other issue when I when I see the baristas is I, the empathy I have for people. So even yeah. though maybe they just pulled a coffee, I know that that job kind of sucks. It's a lot of work. Like when I work at Pete's, like you're basically cleaning all day. You're cleaning for spoiled and entitled people that are yelling at you. The other day I saw mm. this guy chewing out the person at Pete's Coffee until the point where they were like emotional. And it's like, it's not uh, cool. They're making minimum wage. Um, no. Yeah. So sometimes I just, I just tip because I have empathy for service people and I know what they yeah. have to deal with. Um, you know, who has a lot of money, the founders Dick. of Google. Mm -hmm. I saw a presentation by this guy and his co-founder at Sonoma State at a, coll a colloquium, computer science colloquium, where they were talking about a new technology uh, that they were calling a search engine. I should have quit school and uh, volunteered to be their <laughs> janitor, but I didn't. But now uh, they're inside this. This is uh, articles entitled Inside Google Billionaire's Airship that just has been cleared for flight and can carry 200 tons of humanitarian cargo. Uh, a new era for blimps may be emerging thanks to billionaire Google co-founder Sergey Brin, who aims to turn these sky giants into cargo vessels. His company LTA Research has created a 400-foot lighter-than-air blimp-like vehicle dubbed the Pathfinder One, which has recently received its airworthiness approval. It's cool um, looking. Yeah, it is. Once it flies, the pa Pathfinder One will be the largest aircraft to take to the sky since the tragic Hindenburg disaster in 1937. I feel like everyone's kind of like been... And you know, rightfully cautious about, you know, mm -hmm. these zeppelins, right? <laughs> yeah. We were like, yeah, remember what Burst happened. Burst into flames, right. Yeah. So on the second of its scheduled uh, 1937 transatlantic crossings, the Hindenburg burst into flames over Lakehurst, New Jersey, killing 35 out of the 96 passengers. I didn't know that. It was only 35. Mm -hmm. Not that that's good, but, you know, not everybody died. The incident triggered a reflexive fear of hydrogen in what has been uh, come to been what has um, come to be known as Hindenburg syndrome. So to co combat this paranoia, the Pathfinder one, I don't know if it's paranoia, will use only <laughs> non-flammable helium as opposed to explosive hydrogen. So the next generation mm -hmm. blip kitted out with a 12 electric motors, four rudders, uh, has a frame built from carbon fibers and titanium. The uh, FAA officially cleared Pathfinder one for takeoff last month, and it has been greenlit to fly no higher than 1500 feet. Um, it's allowed to fly over the south side of San Francisco Bay, so it won't interfere with any planes flying in or out of San Jose or San Francisco International Commercial Airports. Hmm. So people are questioning, is this humanitarian relief or an air yacht? Right? <laughs> it looks like a pretty big air yacht, but I think they'll yeah. they'll try to help people with it. Yeah. Yeah. He says Maybe it's I'm... a humanitarian project, but I'm sure it's it's like, you know, it's his pet project. But um, okay. it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's nearly 10 times. It can carry nearly 10 times the amount of a Boeing, Boeing 737. Wow. So um, they believe it has the capacity to speed up humanitarian aid by reaching remote locations with little infrastructure and lower the carbon emissions for air and uh, cargo transportation. So that's well, cool. that's kind of that, cool. That yeah. part of it is cool. Yeah. Well, they thought this was going to be cool. This is a, a plankton, a microplastic eating plankton. So oh. they thought this was going to be a good deal, right? It was a, a type of zooplankton found in marine and freshwater that could ingest and break down microplastics. But oh, unfortunately, no. rather than helping us out with the threat plastics pose to marine life, these tiny creatures, they're called rotifers, 
could be accelerating the risk by splitting the microplastics into thousands of smaller, potentially more dangerous nanoplastics. If it's not one thing, it's another, right? Rotifer is a Latin name for something called wheel bearer because it's got whirling wheels of cilia right around its mouth, like a big chewer. It can create between 348 to 366,000 nanoplastic particles smaller than one micrometer every single day. These animals are microscopic and they're abundant. 23,000 of them found living on in one liter of water in one location. So uh, they say the rotifers were creating 13.3 quadrillion plastic particles every single day. We know plastic can take up to 500 years to decompose. And as it ages, the little tiny pieces of plastic break off. And then the chemical process and the physical process then breaks them down, including sunlight exposure, waves grinding bits of plastic against rocks. So scientists were looking at what role these rotifers or other aquatic life could play in the creation of microplastic um, and the breakdown of it as well. And the hope was that these guys would do something good. No. Mm -mm. Yeah, they were testing the hypothesis that rotifers, which are, there are 2,000 different species of them worldwide, could break down the plastic. They say, whereas Antarctic krill live in a place that is essentially unpopulated, they chose rotifers because they occur throughout the world's temperate and tropical zones. Right. The animals mistake microplastic fragments uh, of less than five millimeters in diameter for algae. Oh, so, yeah. Poor guys. That's, that's cool. it. Not as helpful as we thought they'd be. No, I think it's time for a break. That kind of bummed me out. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to lift this party right back up <laughs> right after we take a little break here on The After Party Live. Live. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience, and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. Aloha to you. Happy uh, Friday and a humongous thank you to Kathy O and Beth F, both ongoing contributors of yeah, the After maybe. Party Live. We couldn't do it without you. And another thank you to uh, our wonderful super sticker contributors today as well. And that would be Karen with $50. What a generous wow. contribution. Jim wow. throwing in a, con a very generous $10. And How we have Doug with a very generous $10 as well. I think, didn't we count five? Oh, that's, that's a different one, photo. Two, three, four, five, six. Is there six in there? I feel like it's like mm. that newspaper um, cartoon where you're supposed to see the probably and some after. behind. Like yeah. how many can you spot? How many dogs can you spot? One, two, three, four, five, six. I think there's another one behind uh, the one on the far left. Speaking of cartoons, right. uh, yeah. we have this AI story that I, I meant to do yesterday, but we have to do it. AI okay. gone rogue. The Kremlin hauls in the creator of... Uh-oh. Don't want to mess with AI in uh, Russia. Kremlin hauls in the creators of a Russian AI chatbot after it keeps making nude photos of Putin and headless body with wrong flag. What? This oh, out. God. Russia's AI chatbot, uh, Kandinsky 
has infuriated the Kremlin yet again. Uh, this time it's because it's been generating, they're calling <laughs> Russophobic images. When re uh, requested to create an image of beautiful Russia and the Russian flag, the chatbot generated pictures of a headless man standing in front of the Russian flag in the wrong colors, uh, which is kind of funny. The leader of the um, SRPZP party, Sergei Mir Miranov, also found that when he asked to depict Ukraine, the chatbot was able to display the colors of the Ukrainian flag correctly. He continued experimenting by asking the chatbot to generate images based off of regions of Russia it's trying to control. After inputting uh, Donbass in Russia, uh, it generated images of a man from Russian, the Russian military in front of a destroyed house with a red, yellow, and blue flag overlaid. Uh, in response to, I am a Z patriot, it was presented with a picture of a zombie-like creature. So apparently this guy is uh, in trouble for giving uh, Russia a negative image through his AI. Um, now, these pictures of, um, of their uh, leader, Putin, is I think they're kind of funny, aren't they? It's, it's, it's hilarious. Is this yeah. guy living in Russia while he's doing this? Because that's pretty ballsy. That's a good question. I don't. Mm -hmm. It says that he's been summoned to the Russian prosecutor's office. So it looks like, yeah, it looks like it. Uh-oh. I mean, um, you're going to Siberia and you're never coming home, right? Yeah, users have been able to input the request, pardon me. <clears throat> uh, it's all uh, fun and games until they catch you. People have been able to type in naked Putin and now they'll find <laughs> pictures. <laughs> but now they'll find pictures of the Russian flag in the correct colors if they type in naked Putin. Typing um, in naked Putin. Yeah, that's what I want to type in. Although the censorship of uh, nudity only has only affected Putin, it can be easily bypassed. Uh, so <laughs> then those of you who uh, are in Russia listening to the show that want to see the Russian president naked can do so by just simply specifying another request and removing the word naked from it. Um, yeah, the first and, uh, and most important thing is to not try to regulate this area, according to uh, uh, these experts on AI. And this is the most that a state can do. The central bank has published its approaches to artificial intelligence policy. It says, it seems to me that it contains very reasonable concept and it's a risk-oriented approach at the same time. So uh, we see examples where the U.S. and China are using AI and at the same time create uh, all the conditions for its development, but um, they do not want to over-regulate. Um, but in Russia... Uh, certain things are going to be regulated, right? When it comes John to John says, I hope the people who created that don't accidentally fall out of a 20th story window. Yeah. So that's <laughs> um, like, that's just wrong. <laughs> I knew we couldn't go the week without uh, presenting uh, this story. No. Uh, are those whiskers on that mansion? People want to know. <laughs> yeah, he has yeah. boobies. Mm. Mm. This That'll is Putin. get under Putin's skin. This is Putin deciding what to do with this guy. Yeah, somebody's going to get poisoned. <laughs> plane, go, plane go down now. <laughs> <laughs> Heather says, rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> okay, do you know who Farrell is? Farrell. Because I'm happy. Farrell. Yeah, yeah. Farrell. 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 He's not Farrell. I don't think he's Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, he's under criticism because of this bag he's carrying. Oh, I thought you were going to say because of the sunglasses. Those are creepy. The, you would think it was the sunglasses, but then upon closer inspection, he's carrying a Louis Vuitton handbag oh. that costs a million dollars. One so million dollars. So it's called the Millionaire Speedy Bag, is what it's called. Yeah, we get it. You're rich. Get you it. have to order it specially, and they create it for you, and it can be yellow blue red green or brown what a scam for louis vuitton so they already make a different version of this that is sold in stores but the millionaire i'm guessing that one doesn't cost a million no the millionaire speedy bag is made of alligator or no rather crocodile leather crocodile 
Oh. It's not coated canvas like the one in the store. It has hardware made from gold, like real gold, with added diamonds. And that's why it's a million dollars. So it's a is that, crocodile. Is that, kosher, is that kosher making bags out of a uh, crocodile? I mean, he's, that he, he is why in LA. Pharrell is having some trouble now because uh -oh. he was spotted carrying this bag at Paris Fashion Week over the summer. Uh, they didn't have a lot of details about it then. But now that it's available to buy, they know a lot more. The price tag prohibited, of course, except for the 1%, for whom it could be the ultimate status symbol to have your crocodile gold diamond encrusted. Right, Deidre, exactly. What a dumb thing to spend a million dollars on. Please. God, it's so wasteful. So it's all they're talking, though, about what's what's good in good t fashion taste and what is not in good fashion taste. And they say <laughs> the co-founder of Aesthetica and Fashion Revolution says in a world full of horrors, a sunshine yellow $1 million bag doesn't shine. It hurts. Someone else says the million pound bag made of all the usual status signifiers, exotic leather, crocodile, gold hardware, and diamond em embellishments is a brand gimmick and an insensitive declaration of global North privilege. And it is not cool in 2023. Wow, global North priv privilege. Global North privilege. That's the newest right, one. Because they're not in the southern 32 countries. No, they say it's not cool in, in this day and age. The senior vice president of PETA, of course, not happy, sending Pharrell a message and a letter inviting him to tour a crocodile farm. So you have to know when you're a celebrity, you know, if that you're scrutinized for what you carry, what you wear. And if you're if you're carrying a crocodile bag, whether it costs a million dollars or not. People are going to call you out for it. OCB yeah, says OCB, might want to work yeah. on those pants while he's at it. Yeah, they look like they could be tailored. <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit of tailoring. Yeah. They they want the people criti critical of Pharrell to redefine what luxury means for today's standards and embrace only processes that create true good beauty, engaging positively with nature and people throughout the life of the item. Imagine how many I, people it could help with yeah. just that bag, the value of exactly. that bag. Exactly. Exactly, Maria. That's our Mario. Is it Mario? Maria? Mario. 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 Exa Sorry, I'm trying to look at a screen that's a little bit above me. Uh, you're exactly right. Uh, and that's what I'm thinking. A million dollars in that crappy little yellow crocodile bag. I mean, animal rights aside, think about that million dollars, right? Come on now. You could buy... I was looking at houses in Oregon just to price price out homes. My dad lives there. And I found homes for 300000 350 250 Think of how many families that are struggling you could just pay off their mortgage. That's crazy that you would spend a million dollars on a crocodile diamond bag. Dumb. Yeah, Julie says, well, I was a fan no longer. And then uh, Mindy saying, mm -hmm. feed some people for Thanksgiving. Pharrell, feed the people. Yes, So exactly. maybe he has gone feral. Or maybe they gave it to him. Maybe the people at whatever brand that was. Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. Maybe they said, we want to sell some of these. If you carry it at Fashion Week, right. then... And so maybe, you know, he doesn't deserve he wants us to, get to the turn, Russian turn oligarchs away from to, him. They want the Russian oligarchs to start buying them. Or maybe it wasn't his. Maybe they just said, we'll give you $50,000 to carry this bag through the plaza. You who know knows? who I bet 
You know who I bet won't be buying one? Sharon Stone. Sharon, no way, Jose. I wanted to do the story yesterday, and I, I mm. think it's worth doing. She says a former Sony boss sexually harassed her during the 80s in an office meeting. Get this, ready for it? He took out his penis right there, right in her face. Can you imagine? What? No. Yeah. Sharon Stone famously laughed during a 2018 CBS Sunday morning interview when asked if she ever faced sexual harassment or assault in Hollywood. She said, I, I've been in this business for 40 years. Can you imagine the business I stepped into 40 years ago looking mm. like I look? Ooh, she's confident. Yeah. <laughs> wow, it's a little full of herself. I've seen it all. In a new appearance in Kelly in, on Kelly Ripa's Let's Talk Off Camera podcast, Stone disclosed for the first time, her experience is combating sexual harassment in the industry. She said that a former head of Sony exposed himself to her when she went into his office for a general meeting in the 1980s, long before films such as Basic Instinct and Casino made her an international star. Stone mm -hmm. did not name the former Sony executive. Variety has reached out for Sony Pictures to comment. <laughs> for some reason, they're not responding. Mm -hmm. The actor remembered uh, being so excited to wear a special outfit and meet the head of Sony. She wore a Ralph Lauren jacket and a little ruffle on the shoulder and a denim, denim skirt with a big ruffle at the bottom, plus cowboy boots. I went to his office, you know, back in the 80s. So the couch was basically on the floor, you know. It was one of those very low, giant couches and my knees were around my neck. And of course, so I'm tall anyway. So I look like all legs sitting there akimbo on the couch. And he's pacing around the office while he's doing the exact same thing. Uh, Stone says that Sony boss told her, oh, it's true what they say about you. You're the most gorgeous. Uh, we haven't seen anyone like you in decades. Never seen anything oh like this God. before. Everybody's been talking about you and look at you. You're the most articulate. You're so smart and beautiful with that hair. He came oh walking God. right around in front of me and he said, but first, and he pulled his penis out right in front of her, right in front of her face. Of course, I was very young. And what I do, what do I do when I'm nervous? I'm, you know, nervously laughing, right? I'm a very bubbly person. I started laughing and crying at the same time and it couldn't stop because I became hysterical. I couldn't stop. So he didn't know what to do. Of course, he put it away. Oh, that's step one. And he went through <laughs> he went through this door behind the desk, which I thought was that he, I thought he had left. So I didn't know what to do. I was just sitting there hysterical. And eventually a secretary came out and led me out. This was not the uh, last of many weird experiences like this in my career. Um, so mm. she she noted that she was still always accept apologies from the men in Hollywood who mistreated her over the years. For those who do not apologize, her message is as follows. Don't ever sit next to me again, because if you ne sit next to me, I'm going to stand up in a public way and say, don't sit next to me. Um, so believe it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I believe it. Don't you? Yeah, I totally believe it. What yeah. a reaction, though. I mean, I think some reaction, a reaction from someone who might not have been famous yet or didn't have the, you know, the stature that she ha currently has would right. may have been, oh, I, you know, I guess if they want me to be in this business, I have to do this. So you'd either run out of the room screaming or, you know, feel like you're pressured or you need to you know, do something to it, whatever. Yeah. I love her reaction was to laugh, cry, you know, right. like, I don't know what to do. I, this is funny. Is this sad? Is this whatever? Yeah. 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 There, this surprises me that when movie studios do this, they spend all this money on movies, $70 right. million they spent on, on a movie called Coyote versus Acme. And this was a, oh, okay. a live action movie about the, um, Wiley Coyote. Wiley Coyote, yeah. It's a an it's actually a an animation movie, not a live action movie. So it's an animation. It was due to come out, but Warner Brothers is shelving it. They spent all this movie on it, all this money on making this movie, and they're taking a $30 million tax write-off instead. 
it's a financial decision. It has nothing to do with whether the movie's good or not because right. it got really good reviews. The writer director of the movie said, I've seen this movie. It's excellent. It tested in the high nineties repeatedly. It had interested buyers. He said the people working at Warner brothers are anti art. And I hope multiple anvils drop on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> the relaunch of the Warner brothers animation in June uh, they say that they're shifting their global strategy to focus on theatrical releases. With this new direction, we've made it the difficult decision not to move forward with Coyote versus Acme. We have a tremendous respect for the filmmakers, cast, crew. We're grateful for their contributions to the film. So the, the movie's that, already they done? Wrap it up and they stick it on a shelf. It's totally done. It's totally done. It's ready to be released. It's getting great reviews. They There's didn't see it as something else going on here. That doesn't make any sense. They said it wasn't financially viable to try to sell Coyote versus Acme to another studio or release it on its platform Max. And the news comes after quarterly earnings reported a net loss of four hundred seventeen million dollars. So they're taking a thirty million dollar tax write down. So I guess the accountants yep. are saying it's worth the tax write off. Yep. When something doesn't make sense, as we've talked about before, it's usually they do it for finan financial money. reasons. It's money. Yeah, that's why they're doing it. But all the people that you know, sometimes people don't work solely for the money. Sometimes you what? work. I know it's crazy, but sometimes you work because you actually enjoy what you're doing. You enjoy the process and the creative process, and you're trying to leave something for people that they might enjoy. So what a bummer for everyone to involved replay on in YouTube later in the day, making that movie. Yeah. Huh. Well, speaking of leaving the world better than you found it, there is a San Francisco based company that is helping California lead the There's way. There's still a San Francisco-based company? Mm. Well, yes, kind okay. of. There's a couple of Is it a San Francisco-based company? Well, it's yeah. actually, it's in San Joaquin County. It's the nation's first ever commercial direct air capture facility, and it is now open in San Joaquin County. And it's kind of cool looking. Here's what it looks like in the San Joaquin County facility. So this is uh, Tracy, right? Mm, yeah. And here is uh, what the tanks are looking like. That's an the, heirloom tank. It's an heirloom tank. Passed down from generation governor, to generation. Or we hope. The <laughs> lieutenant governor joined other leaders and lawmakers in Tracy yesterday for the ribbon yeah, cutting at Heirloom. The climate technology company uses limestone to remove carbon dioxide directly from the air oh, and cool. then per permanently store it. So what they do is they take it out of the air and then the carbon dioxide goes into concrete, which has a different type of, I guess, recipe that's not as toxic because it's, it's also toxic to create concrete, right? right? Yeah. Um, and then they inject this the carbon dioxide into the concrete and they use it in, in construction so it can never get back into the atmosphere. Uh, that California also has the very first solar farm in the world, the largest battery storage facility. But this is a new way of cleaning the air. And so they called reporters out there, and they had this big thing, big to do out in uh, in in Tracy at Heirloom. That, by the way, is a spot with some of the worst air pollution in the state, the Central Valley. Yeah. Because um, of the way that the air kind of gets trapped there, and it all blows from the Bay Area out there. Yeah, they hope this technology will push California toward net zero. And the CEO and co-founder of Heirloom, his name is. Uh, Sashank Samala, he said this facility is the closest thing to a time machine because it can turn back the clock on climate change. We've been polluting with carbon 
uh, our atmosphere since the Industrial Revolution, and you cannot unpollute except with this. That was from U.S. Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm. Um, oh, yeah. So they're we saying... Have her on KGO. Yeah, she's her. cool. She's pretty cool. They do it with robots. So the wind blows through... CO2 binds to limestone in these big stacked sheets. And then there's robots. And once the robots have determined that enough CO2 has been collected, they're brought to an electric kiln where the carbon dioxide is burnt off. It's eventually stored in concrete by carbon cure technologies to be used in Bay Area construction projects. And that, that means that tons of CO2 can no longer harm the atmosphere. They call it a start. They say billions of tons of CO2 still need to be removed from the air every year. But the goal is to scale this technology to $100 spent per one ton of removed carbon dioxide in the hopes of a cleaner world for tomorrow. Right now, it costs a lot more than that. But as they keep going, and right. as they get more efficient, that's the hope. Well, so. I can't wait until we can pick one of these up at Sharper Image. <laughs> so you can clean it around your house. I need the air yeah. to be cleaner around my house. That'd be cool, right? I need an heirloom. Bring it over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, have the uh, the solar panels on the roof and the uh, mm -hmm. and the carbon dioxide being taken out of your house. I think that's pretty. Bad. You know what's ca causing uh, carbon dioxide? People. Top, yeah. Are Look you feeling crowded yet? Uh, the U.S. Census Bureau estimates the world's population has passed eight billion people. Eight billion people. The human species has topped that uh, 8 billion with longer lifespans offsetting fewer births, but world population growth continues a long-term trend of slowing down, according to the Census Bureau. The Bureau estimates that the global population exceeded the threshold on September 26th, so we just passed it um, a couple of months ago, a precise date uh, the agency said to take with a grain of salt, uh, along with our alien story today. The UN uh, estimate, estimated that the number was passed 10 months earlier, having declared on November 22nd, 2022, the day of 8 billion. So there's, you know, obviously there, these are estimates. The discrepancy is due to countries counting people differently or not at all, um, mm -hmm. which seems like a mistake. Many lack the systems to record births and deaths, right? Not everyone's mm -hmm. getting counted properly. Some of the most populous countries such as India and Nigeria haven't conducted censuses in over a decade, according to the Bureau. You know, I, I was a census taker here in the city, one of my many, many jobs I've had. And um, it's not an easy job. Like most people now just turn in their, their you know, their information on, online or they send in the card, right? Mm -hmm. So when you work as a census bureau, you're going after those people who are holdouts, right? Some people just never got around to it, but other people are like conspiracy minded. Like, yeah, I don't trust you. Who are you? You're from the government. You're going to take my information. Get off my lawn, you know. Or homeless people, too, that have to be counted, right? Yeah, that's a se separate operation. But mm -hmm. um, there were people who were just, even San Francisco, who were like right-wing crazy, like, I don't trust you. And even though we have to swear and under penalty of perjury, we're not going to share the information. Some people just don't mm -hmm. want to participate. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, uh, people living into older ages account for much of the recent increase. The global median age is now 32. It's been rising in a trend expected to continue towards 39 in the year 2060. So countries such as Canada have been aging uh, with declining older age mortality, while countries such as Nigeria have seen dramatic declines in deaths of uh, children under five. Um, mm. So, yeah, 8 billion people got to share the world. Can we do, can you do the $2 bill story as our last one? Because I think that's a, a good way to end it. Okay. And I've honestly been interested in this story because I have a $2 bill in my purse. Oh, do you? Yeah. Uh, so that's I'm the question. Get it out right now. Do you have a $2 bill lying around? Kim says mm -hmm. yes. It could be worth nearly $5,000. Wow. 
What? According to different factors. U.S. Hey, currency my $2 options. Bill. I got my $2 uh, they bill estimate in my hand. That uncirculated $2 bills from 1890. Uh oh. It has what? to be from 1890. Could sell for up to $4,500. And uncirculated bills from nearly every year between 1862 and 1917 could sell for at least $1,000. The auction site reports that collectors are offering these rates depending on factors such as printing method and location. Newer bills could have some significant value as a $2 bill printed in 2003 recently sold at auction for $2,400. That's not bad. This particular bill had a very low serial number for the 2003 series and was sold through a heritage auction, the largest, largest uh, auction house uh, for newest, new, numismatic uh, auctions. It was later resold for $4,000, but Heritage estimates it could now be purchased for $6,000. Um, if you possess an uncirculated $1892 bill with the red no. seal, or the seal no. is red, it's now valued at $4,500. $2 bills with red seals can sell between $300 and $2,500, while those with brown or blue seals may fetch hundreds. Um, mine's, a 2013, here, mine's a 2013 series, so I don't think I'm getting anything. <laughs> Yeah. Fail. The, That's all right. They're saying here the $2 bill has a negative reputation due to superstitions. I've never heard that. Have you? Very superstitious. And its association with illegal activities such as voter bribery. I've never heard really? that either. I didn't know that. that. Like yeah. The, that's the bill of choice for people trying to... Huh. It's going to take more than $2 to bribe me to vote. <laughs> you can't... You, I <laughs> want my $2. You can't have my uh, vote for $2. No. The Treasury made an attempt to popularize the bill in early uh, the early 20th century, but it turned out to be a failure. As a result, the government stopped issuing new twos for a period of time. The bill was reintroduced in 1976 as the U.S. approached its bicentennial and is still in circulation today. Um, you don't see them very often, though. No, I think most people think they're kind of collector's items, so they don't yeah. well, and spend there's no... them, or maybe they give them as the, the, the rather the tooth fairy gives them, or yeah. you know, you you get one from your grandparents as you know you come to visit or something like that. Well, and there's no place in the cash register for them, so it kind of annoys cashiers. Like uh, I got to put this in my side slot, which is already taken up with other things. But yeah, um, in 2017, there were 1.2 billion. $2 bills. Yeah. Wow. They're out there. Worth $2.4 billion in circulation. That's surprising. Um, making them uncommon, but not rare. You can find a complete list of the values of collectible $2 bills um, at yeah. uh, USA Today if you want to check it out. Well, pretty cool. there goes my $5,000. That's why I wanted to hear that story because I thought, well, maybe I'm loaded and I don't know it. No. <laughs> maybe you're loaded. Maybe you're loaded. Maybe we're just full of it. Yeah. Um, what a disappointment that mine's a 2013, but that's all right. Wah, wah. Well, you have, you have, you know what you have? You have the what? weekend. I do have the weekend. Julia's going to be in the Petaluma Veterans Day Parade marching oh, with the Petaluma cool. High School Band tomorrow. So whatever you're doing to mark the occasion and to thank the people that have served this country, whether you believe in the wars or not, the people that have given of themselves uh, to uh, further America deserve yeah. our thanks so happy veterans day to everyone thank you karen for the 50 dollars. incredibly generous gift from you and from jim slayton uh happy friday jim and doug with a 10 dollars super sticker so generous as well and ongoing contributors yeah. kathy o and beth f and everyone else who contributes to the show on an ongoing basis that's how we keep it going and we couldn't do it without you it's true have a really good weekend john daly and have everyone a good in weekend the chat. soak it up yeah. and, and 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 you know i'm sorry that your two dollar bills aren't worth anything I know. What if, it's okay. I'm going to lift my spirits, though. I'm going to have some Why Are You Yelling Red and get the real party started. Woo. See you on Monday. Bye, Bye, -bye. everyone.